0: Okay. Hello, everyone. Welcome back to the Soma Mama podcast. I'm so excited today to introduce you to our guest that we have on here. Her name is Lisa Bianco. She is a meditation coach, and we also met through Emily Castle's Women Up community, a collective of female entrepreneurs really across the globe. Lisa actually is located in Frankfurt, Germany, and she's been there for nearly 20 years now. And she is a mother. She, as I mentioned, she's a meditation coach. She just really embodies um, that lifelong self-study and learning. And I am still getting to know Lisa, so I'm so excited to dig into her story today and see what unfolds naturally. Uh, We were talking before we started recording, and we probably will get into topics such as motherhood and meditation and just simple wellness tips and tricks that we've infiltrated into our lives, both as individuals and as mothers in our lifetime here in physical form. So without further ado, Lisa, I'm going to pass the mic over to you, just have you introduce yourself and the work that you do and how you came into it. And, uh, we'll go from there.
1: Hi, thank you so much for having me here. I really, really do appreciate it. It's so nice to get a chance to talk to you too. And, um, I hope all your listeners enjoy our conversation. I love the fact that she said, um, kind of lifelong, um, self-study because that's a great way that I would probably explain myself. Um, I'm Lisa Bianco. I live in Frankfurt, Germany. I'm originally from New York. Um, I've lived in a few different places in in San Francisco. I had three of my kids in Charlotte, North Carolina before moving to Germany and having three more. And one of the, the ways that I would kind of define myself is, yes, as a meditation coach, but also as someone who shares her stories of experience from my life of continuously self-study for sure. Um, and hoping that those connect with other people so that um, while they're going through any kind of life transformation, whether they're anticipating it or feel the need for it or feel stuck. So that lifelong self-study, that that's definitely, that, that's me. <laughs> I'm continuously in, in that um, for sure. I became a meditation coach because... I felt like I. There was a point in time where I was, I was in a relationship that I, I should not have been in. Did not need to be in. It was a pretty long kind of. Um, I'll use the word abusive relationship for sure. It was a pretty toxic relationship, and it. A friend of mine who had passed away just recently had introduced me to Deepak Chopra's twenty-one day meditation, and she said, "Lisa, I think this is something that you need to do." Because for her, it was, you need to break the circle. You're in a circle and you need something to, to stop you, to break it. And I listened to her and I did this 21 days meditation. And slowly what I became hooked on was the moments of silence that I needed, really just to give myself some sort of, sort of break in my, my mind and break of um allowing myself pause, allowing myself kind of some deep breaths. So from there, I was more and more connected into meditation and took a meditation course and took multiple meditation courts and then got certified with with the Chopra Center. And through meditation, um, I noticed that actually helped a lot um, with Zoom, believe it or not, when you not in person so much, but doing meditations with people over Zoom, you, you, people will think, okay, it's kind of disconnected. But it was a great way to um, somehow this, this screen in between, it allows someone that they're in their their own safe space to share a lot, a lot more than I think that they normally would if we were together, because as a meditation coach, you you're there with someone and you're in their, their own personal space, but you're, you're not their, their psychologist, I guess you could say, or therapist in that way, but it slowly became that. And in a way where I noticed that what I was able to learn off of other people, they were able to learn off of me, not just the practice of meditation, but how meditation was able to kind of transform. And again, for me, I would say is always this, this pause that I needed. Also learning that your meditation practice doesn't have to be the specific set of time or the specific set of ways or sitting in a certain posture or, 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 or just allowing um, life to flow. And some days your meditation practice is two minutes, three minutes, five minutes, and some days it'll be 45. It's allowing what, what your body needs at that moment. So for me, that's where meditation came in. And then that's when I, then I started doing more and more coaching So not just how to meditate um, or leading meditations and guiding meditations and yoga nidras, but then it became a little bit more of um, allowing my story of experience to help coach others. And I think the benefit of that is just kind of forming that community um, and then realizing that we are all somehow connected and that anything that someone is going through, they're, they're not the first person to go through it. Um, and allowing for that safe space for people to be in and to explore and to hit different ways of being creative Um, and just allowing their emotions um, to come out, whether it's through meditation or through yoga, through movement, through walking, um, journaling. And we just kind of always with whoever I'm working with, we kind of just start off with meditation and then we delve into those other areas as well. That's a little bit long-winded, so sorry about that. (laughs) No, no, no. When you said lifelong self-study, like, that's a perfect way to, I try to pass my lifelong self-studies on to other people without pushing it on to them, but giving them a safe place to feel like, you know, they're normal. And it did, nothing began with them.
0: Mm, Nothing began with them. I... I love that. I like right away, I just envisioned the this, this circle, the circle of life, right? Mm-hmm. And one thing I love that I've um, heard in some audiobooks and podcasts of like the energetics of like thought manifestation, such as like a book idea, for example, like if you have that idea and you might not grab, you might not make it tangible, right? You might not grab it out of the ethereal world and say, that's mine. I'm going to write a book on X, Y, and Z, but if you don't, someone else might, right? And um, I'm trying to, was it Elizabeth Gilbert? Maybe that was, I think it was in Big Magic where she was sharing that like, she had basically a dream about her next book. And then she went to um, an author's conference and she ended up networking with this author that was telling her about literally verbatim the same details in this book that she had dreamt. And right right away, I'm like, like the metaphysical world is so wild. I I so believe in that. And um, that was also just a long-winded reflection to to reflect back to <laughs> that, yes, like it, it doesn't always, r- rarely does it start with us. And we are all connected in this human experience and in this Journey in the physical form, and I want to validate your the embodiment of you as both a wellness practitioner across the board, and and a coach, and and um, a constant student. Right, like I, I
1: mm-hmm.
0: caught onto that right away. I was like, Lisa's even in our pre conversation, she is like morbidly curious, right? To just continue exactly. to yeah. more about herself and and more about others. And also, what I see in that is like the mirror analogy, right? Like, it goes back to the old saying of, well, people can only meet you as deeply as they can meet themselves. So, as practitioners, we naturally become self-dedicated students forever. Exactly. Mm -hmm. Right. Mm -hmm. Um, And I had this moment too where, uh, when you were sharing about just, Coming into meditation, finding that pretty quickly you notice you just craved that simple pause,
1: mm-hmm. right?
0: And I love how you break it down as such because, y'all, that's where it starts, right? Like we, especially in the Western world, become—I've noticed—we can become very attached to what something is supposed to look like in air quotations, and how much time it has to be in order to meet that. Consider it achieved right exactly i had this moment in my reiki uh one and two attunements where the shaman had asked us do you meditate and right away my mind went to no i don't meditate because i don't do it seated five minutes a day and at the time i mean for the last decade i've had a pretty devout yoga practice and i always meditate at the end of my yoga (laughs) practice right (laughs) but i didn't think that was meditation and quote, traditionally speaking. Exactly. <laughs> um, yeah. So like, I'd love for you to speak to uh, further, like the starting point for someone who might be like, I've never meditated. You'll never catch me meditating. <laughs> like, how would you approach a client session um, with someone like that? I love when people say, I, I can't meditate. I can't, I can't. And
1: I'm like, you know, that's what I said. And I also said, I was never having any kids and I have six. So let's start off with that. (laughs) I was not someone who could sit still. I'm awful at that. Um, And it was giving it a try and giving it a try for 60 seconds and no more. So 60 seconds, don't reach for two, don't reach for five, 60 seconds. And then, okay, in a couple of days, let's go move up to two. And it was like, honestly, making that boundary of like, even if you feel like you nope you're going to, for some people who say, I can't meditate, I can't meditate. It's actually keeping that bar as low, and you're not allowed to go up sometimes kind of gets them a little bit curious, because then they start to like crave and they want to get past I them I'm going to do 90 seconds. But it's learning from there that and, and then I think with So it kind of sidetrack, I think with meditation, I know it's all the hype, but the, really the reality is it reflects life around you. So you don't need to meditate for 45 minutes. It's just allow your body, trust your body. And this takes time. Okay. Just realistically, it takes time to have that pause, have that quiet. And you feel when you need to get out. You feel when you're done and just when your body's done, your body, your body's done. You don't have to, some will say, okay, try to push through for a little bit longer, for a little bit longer, but that doesn't work for everyone. It also doesn't work for everyone to sit down and close their eyes. For some people, closing their eyes is, it's awfully traumatic, depending on what circumstances that happened in their life. Fine. Don't close your eyes. You know, maybe look between your eyebrows at your third eye, look into a candle, Light a, You know, light a candle um, look out into the distance, whatever you need to do to feel comfortable. But what we're looking for is just being, and you will have thoughts. They will come through. No big deal. The doorbell may may ring. The phone may ring. Your child may walk in, the dog may bark. And then if you need to, you stop. Like if you're, if you're at a point where you're doing, you know, more than two minutes, um, but if you're doing a length of time and the doorbell rings or your child knocks on the door, fine, just, and then go back, just kind of that natural flow back and forth. It's all okay. And I think when we learn with meditation that there isn't any right or wrong, some days you need, um, some days you will need a guided meditation. Some days you will, I always give people their mantra, their own personal mantra, um, then that's fine. Maybe you'll just use your mantra. It's just listening. And I think it's just this allowance and acceptance. And then it doesn't look like you have to be on you know, top of a mountain, cross-legged, sitting there for how long? And I think once people realize it doesn't have to be that, you can sit in the car, right? Two set minutes, five minutes before you pick your child up from school. Or I have a lot of um, people who they drive home from work and they're literally like, you know, parked outside their home and they'll do a five minute, 10 minute, or 20 minute or wherever they feel in their practice before they enter the home. I like to say sometimes meditate as your transition from one, you know, that's what they would say, like meditate in the morning when you first wake up, but sometimes it'll be before you transition from your work life to your home life Um, and fit it in where it can, but it's consistency. So when someone says I can't meditate, there are so many different ways to do it, so many different ways that it that it looks like, can look like. It's like if you make an ice cream sundae, well, yours and mine will look completely different and it's all going to taste good to us. Um, that's all you need. And try to fit it in. Sometimes I have people really even start off with like when they're brushing their teeth. It's like, okay, let's start off there. When you're brushing your teeth, you're going to do it for two minutes. You have, you know, top, bottom, you know side to side. Let's break that down to four parts and just name for me what you see. Or I'll say, okay, let's start off with what do you see in front of you? What do you see the side of you? What do you see behind you? What do you feel the side to you? Just to get used to being present and comfortable in your surroundings We just start off with like little, just little tools that you could start off with. And people are like, well, that's not meditation. Well, it's mindfulness. It's on the way to meditation, but it's like, whatever you think that it is, it is, and it's all okay. And then you just formulate that to life, right? It's kind of like all okay, you know?
0: Yes, that, oh, you're bringing me straight back to my 200 hour yoga training, where that was literally, that was our mantra through, throughout our entire 200 hour journey was, and it's okay. It's all okay. <laughs> it's okay, it, and it's a, it'll all be okay. And I know that's like a well, maybe even it, it'll all be okay it has a different connotation. But it's it can be those three words can be so overused. But I really like even I really like words and language and, and syntax and vocabulary and just breaking down the simplicity of like three words such as and it's okay and obviously that has a subjective meaning to Mm -hmm. everyone and what what i what that means to me is like hey court like we're all going to do it differently and Mm -hmm. so be it right there's no formula for success there's no formula for yoga asana there's no formula really for meditation right there's suggestions there's certainly Mm -hmm. especially we live in this world of like option overwhelm where People have written out formulas for certain things. And some of us, maybe the earth, the earth signs of the zodiac, like that formulaic approach, right? Exactly. And some days it's perfect.
1: You need that, right? And always yeah. like, it's like a buffet take from it what you need. The buffet has all your food, has everything that you will need, but just pick from it today what you need. Mm-hmm. You
0: know? So, one thing I want to retract back to like so mm-hmm. for example the the client that comes to you that's like hey, i i you will not catch me dead meditating lisa but like my partner told me i need to try and like let's see let's try this let's see you know and one thing one of my favorite things is dissecting even with clients or friends or family members what they're already doing that they don't think that they're doing right so it could be that genuinely they don't have a meditation practice they've never meditated or it could be like hey are, do you have a yoga practice for example yeah yeah I've been doing yoga for the last 15 years okay um do you do shavasana at the end of your practice <laughs> yeah yeah every time I love shavasana right okay so right and just like normalizing and bringing attention to what's already be done what's already being done um, exactly. and that's been one of my mantras lately too is like, hey, let's not reinvent the wheel here. Exactly. <laughs> you
1: know. Exactly. Yeah. I have um someone who um he was actually having a lot of anxiety about going back to work. He didn't he was really nervous of um he liked when he, he was home and he knew he had to go back to work like three days a week. And um he had anxiety with his boss. And but he and any time, he said, okay, I know I need to do, have a meditation practice. I really think it would be good for me. I really think it would be good for me. I really think it would be good for me. And sometimes I don't even go into like, why? It's Like, okay, we're here. And, um, but I don't know how I would fit it in. I just don't know how I'll fit this in. And when I would talk to him, he was always out walking with his dog. And then he would call and I'm like, okay, well, let's, um, you're out walking with your dog. Let's just meditate now well, how? Well, we'll just start off with the walking meditation. And again, it's just, okay. Um, Then I just start off with, you know, what do you see? Like just name all, what do you see? Or even more so sometimes I'll say, what do you hear? You know, what do you hear that's just right around you? Okay. Can you listen out a little bit further? You know, what do you hear that's even further out? And then we'll kind of come back to the inside. Like, what do you hear that's inside you? And we're on the phone and, you know, 20 minutes passed. And I was like, you just did 20 minutes. <laughs> you know, you weren't sitting. You're not ready to sit. You don't feel comfortable sitting. That's okay. We'll get there. And now he is, you know, uh, twice a day and he's pretty, you know, um, pretty avid meditator. But um, it was just learning again. It's that to start off anything, you have to start off where you're at. Um, and what it looks like to you, and there's so many different ways. And again, it's that that buffet. It's like what works for you at that moment, and then you become almost addicted to it. So then you will feed it in when you when you can, without punishing yourself because it's not the length that you thought it should be, or the length that you um, feel like that you you were doing. And then that will and that gets into like the self-forgiveness um so then it's like then that's where we always go into that other kind of area after a while it's like okay why do you feel that it should be this what were you, what words what were you telling yourself and then how can we allow you to forgive yourself for that because that usually then translates to other areas of your life that you probably need to forgive yourself for as well you're mad at yourself because your meditation practice wasn't what you thought it should be. Meanwhile, your meditation will always give you what you need, always. So if in the morning and you wake up and you're trying to meditate, your mind is going wild, that's what your meditation practice was for. It will, your mind would have really went wild if you didn't. So you're, it always gives you what you need. But the words that we put into our minds because we think it should be something that's where the work is. And that's where the beauty is. And that's kind of where I've always feel like where I'm going with someone. It's like those words, what are you telling yourself? And then how can we forgive yourself and work on that, work on those practices so that you can um, start to heal, you know, start to have these little changes in your life that allow you to heal and then because you talked about this kind of self-study, right? Then as you're just starting to heal, it's like a layer, then another layer, and then another layer, and you keep digging deeper and deeper into yourself. And um, that's just the beauty of life. And all starts off with this walking meditation, <laughs> right? <laughs> with this girl, you know, a half a, an ocean away yeah. <laughs> on the summer. Yeah,
0: you know? it's gosh, there's some, I mean, my mind is. Bing, 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 bing. There's so much I want to say, but really, I mean, monkey mind aside, it's like we talked about this before we started recording simplicity, right? And mm-hmm. start, okay, one, let's not reinvent the wheel. Two, let's like identify what you're already doing with joy or maybe even some sense of like mundane, um like habitual for like got walk to walk the dog, I do that every day when mm-hmm. I come from work at 6 PM. Right. Um, and, and I, I want to speak to like a few things here, but one, um, using these, uh, practices such as meditation, such as yoga, such as journaling, such as walking or movement, um, and using them as the slate to then, or even like planting them as a seed to then see, watch Mm -hmm. the abundance grow, like watch whatever will grow um, to grow. And it comes back to, my sister says this all the time in the coaching work she, she does that small changes yield big results. And again, coming back to like, doesn't, we don't need to buy all these things. We don't need to like put aside all of this time that we already feel like we don't have, because that's, where I can already sense my self wanting to like spiral and go into that anxious self-talk. Um, and I'll segue into, I'm just, as I'm hearing you speak, I'm noticing the ways in which, um, you know, meditation is, is a practice for, um, For life, like outside of our seat, or in yoga, we say like off our off of our mat, right? Like take mm-hmm. what you've done in your asana practice and and put it into the world. Um, Sean Korn, who is a beautiful yoga teacher, speaks to that all the time. Um, she has a book called Revolution of the Soul. I'll tag it in the show, show notes, but mm-hmm. that is you know a huge her tagline, like off mat into the world, um, mm-hmm. and we I have a previous, I mean, my previous job was in um, behavioral therapy. And one of our, and I worked with kiddos under the age of four on the autism spectrum. And with behavioral therapy, especially with some of our nonverbal kiddos, right at the start where we're just working to establish eye contact and them responding to their name, we will use pairing. Pairing okay. is exactly what you just did with your client, meditating while walking the dog. And it's mm-hmm. very helpful when we pair two things with one thing that's more naturally reinforcing and with one thing that might be new, nuanced, or less naturally re- reinforcing, right? So we do them both. We read while we're in the bath. We talk on the phone while we're walking the dog, right? Right. Mm-hmm. Typically one is a little bit more preferred than the other and what will happen over time or the hope is that they'll become equally reinforcing such that we can remove the the previous reinforcer that was the top you know dog and just do right the meditation that was or less preferred and so again it's like we're not reinventing the wheel this isn't rocket science um but it's a really simple simple way to start bringing in a new practice um, and another book is I do love resources. I haven't actually read this one yet myself, but Atomic Habits. Have you read exactly. it? Exactly. Mm-hmm.
1: Yes, yes, yeah. yes, yes. Yeah. Because he also it. talks about, um, you know, like grouping <clears throat> things, pairing things. This is where I also say, you know, when you are brushing your teeth, this is something that you're going to do or you should be doing, you know, twice a day, right? You know, for your two minutes. And you do have these, you know, we can break that down to four parts of your mouth, which gives you four different, um, different um, tasks or whatnot, or different avenues that we can look at. So that's why a lot of times I also, love, especially for children, um, um, combine brushing your teeth with, again, like, okay, kind of think about what's in front of you. Think about what's the side of you, you know, and because you're doing, it's like grouping these. Same thing I know with the atomic habits, he also talks about in there, um, they talk about is um, like, if you want to always take your, your vitamins, you know, when we put that next to the coffee machine, it's like grouping, you know, to form these habits. It's basically, it's really forming habits um, and healthy habits. And so I I agree with the pairing. It, it, it works.
0: (laughs) It really, really works. It really does work. I think back into, yeah, back to my 200 hour teacher training again, when I was like 22 years old and I hadn't actually ever really, aside from when I used to have panic attacks and I, my body would make me breathe long, deep breaths coming out of them. I hadn't, um, brought a practice of conscious breathing into my le- into my life uh, outside of yoga so right i like came into yoga i was about 16 years old i i then quite learned but it was rote learning right i was instructed really to like breathe in out while i was in a class and i didn't as a teenager that didn't always Mm. transfer off the mat right um and so what i started doing in my 200 hour training which was six months so i had time to really integrate these practices both on and off the mat is I would breathe consciously while I was driving, mm-hmm. and actually, when it was like a triple pairing, I would put on a podcast, and I had long commutes, so I would put on a podcast. I would breathe consciously, and I would listen, and I didn't have to talk to anyone. I was in. That's kind of. I actually not someone who is loves driving, but I like this. Like it in the sense that we're in our own little bubble, and exactly, we can do whatever yeah. we want to do. <laughs> yeah and um yeah and then that just became habit because of course i was driving pretty much every single day and some were a little bit shorter than drives than others um but even like i would get to the point where i would hit a stop sign or a red light and i would take like a big belly breath and that was my indicator um and some people even asked me like courtney i don't like i don't I'm a big mouth breather. It's really hard for me to breathe through my nose, for example. And I, when I'm working at home at my desk, I know I'm not consciously breathing. What's one easy way other than like setting an alarm on my phone or something, um, where I can bring in conscious breath. And I'm like, well, let's use some external indicators such as walking through a door in your house. Do you walk in and out of your office? Well, yeah, I go to the bathroom. I go to the kitchen. Okay. So I want every time you walk underneath a doorway to take one belly breath. That's all. Mm-hmm. Right? This is like comes back to Pavlov's dog, science, right? Yeah. Behavior yeah. science, And this is the kind of stuff I geek out about. Um, <laughs> but it's, yeah, I mean, it, it works and it works over time. And as you mentioned earlier, Lisa, consistency, really. It's
1: consistency. And I think if you have recognized that feeling inside you, you know, you can do it again. It's, um, I mean, I, I'm a, I'm a big person of consistency. Length of time isn't such a big, you know, as big of a deal. It's just that consistent. So even movement, you know, just move. It, it don't worry about how much. Just because I think when you're a consistent and you say, okay, I want to do movement every day. Okay. Well, that doesn't, don't set a time. You know, if you move for 10 minutes, if you do something for 10 minutes, 30 minutes, whatever, doesn't matter. Just do it set yourself some kind of consistent goals. And then um, when you do that, you also set a commitment to yourself. So when you have this commitment to yourself, then, okay, so not many times we have a commitment, but a lot of times we have a commitment to other people, um, to our job, to our families, to our pets, to our, you know, whatnot. But we don't necessarily always have a commitment that's to ourselves. So when we make these little, um, consistent goals, then we're also having, honoring a commitment to ourselves. And when we honor a commitment to ourselves, it reinforces our own self-respect. And then when we have that self-respect, we actually, then like you say, we mirror that out to other people. We have more respect for them. So that's why I'm, I really am always trying to like, what can I do with others to help them? formulate a consistent practice where they can honor their commitment to themselves so that they can just feel better about themselves. And again, I think it comes with self-respect, self-forgiveness, because that mirrors out and that helps create like healings and changes. And you start seeing the world differently um, the same thing with like a gratitude practice. I'm, I, I really love a gratitude practice, you know, right before you go to bed, again, pair it up with something as you're getting into bed, List five things in your mind that you're grateful for. Um, and sometimes people will get to like three and then they start to fall asleep. You know, I mean, if that's your, you know, what, but that, um, consistency of some of these habits. And again, if we link them together, it's, you know, super um, just reinforces our commitment to ourselves. That, and that's get lost. Let's get lost quite a lot. You yeah. Know, this commitment to ourselves.
0: Absolutely. Absolutely. And I will, I want to mention two things there. One of them will be a comment. One of them will be a segue. Yeah. But, um, well, the first being, you know, actually I've been asked recently about my first year in business and what that journey has been like. And, really my go-to response is like everything that i've done and every all every like cup of spaghetti i've thrown at the wall figuratively speaking um has been an act of accountability to myself right so Mm -hmm. if i speak it into existence i tell someone i'm gonna run a women's retreat day-long women's retreat I'm like, OK, then I'm going to do it and I'm going to figure out how don't have a venue yet. I don't have people signed up, but it's happening. Right. I'm I'm going to file an LLC. All right. How do you fi- file an LLC and just things like that? And I'll even tell even if I'm not ready to like announce it to the world or I know we can do this in the, the social media world as well. But I'll announce it to my sister or a really close friend mm-hmm. like. I'm going to write a book one day. Okay. Like, hold me account, help hold me accountable to that. Mm. Um, Because those are the things that I don't forget. And I don't, being someone who is, who likes to follow through with my word. And I understand how that can be become equally as self-destructive, given the context. um, It feels really good to speak something into Mm. fruition, speak a goal into fruition and then work towards that. Mm. Um, And, yeah Yeah. you allow
1: your vulnerability to come through when you speak it to someone else you know Mm -hmm. you um you allow yourself to um you had to be seen to be open you know um and also to express to someone like this these are my my wishes this is where i wish to to go to be um it's nice it's beautiful
0: Mm. that's hard to do it, it is. It is. And then when we start doing it, we begin to realize, or I will use I statements, I began to realize, oh, like, I've been the only person in my way this whole time, right? Especially as an adult, which it's taken me a lot of self-work and years to come to this place of knowing, like, Courtney, no one's holding you back. I think mm-hmm. that absolutely, no one's holding you back. No one's telling you can't do anything. And um, okay, so then why do I feel that way? Well, of course, then we can unravel like all of the inner exactly. work, uh, our unravel our traumas with the help of a therapist. And um, but really, like that aside, simply speaking, like oh, then what's what's in my way? Oh I exactly. have. Oh, <laughs> <laughs> I have to get this is what I love about
1: like any kind of like yoga movement uh, movement and um like any kind of strength training. it's like it's you're always having to like push yourself out of that you know out of that comfort zone, you know, and then again, like take it from the mountain to real life like well i you were able to try that, you were able to do it again, if you couldn't do it, you were in the way, your mind was in your way and Bring it into real life, you know?
0: Absolutely. Because I'm always,
1: I, I'm definitely <laughs> the one person who's always my way. <laughs> it's
0: me. <laughs> and I also, like, yeah, obviously I can relate to that. I want to speak to self compassion because we do. Mm-hmm. So, so sometimes we might say, oh, I'm going to run a half marathon. We do that and we're like, I don't ever need to do that again. Right. Mm -hmm. And even in that statement, I hear a little bit bit of self-compassion. Like I did it. I I accomplished my initial goal and like, I don't need to prove to myself that I want to do that again. Right. And, or even while we're in the process, it's like, Oh, I wanted to run the whole thing, but my knee started hurting. So I started walking. It's like, so what, you know, like you, 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 Walked, you limped, you hobbled, you sprinted across the finish line. It doesn't really—you showed up.
1: You yeah. showed up, though. You know, I think sometimes we don't give ourselves the credits for actually like showing up. Mm-hmm. You know, mm-hmm. we we just don't don't do that. You know, self compassion was always a hard one for me. I mean, definitely, I don't know. I mean, probably stereotyping, but um I don't know. Growing up in New York, it was you know. Um, kind of go 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 and get get and um, try to achieve achieve and um, you know when I was growing up if you were to sit down in you know uh, definitely if you were to lay down on your bed it's like what's wrong are you sick what's the matter why, why are you doing that but there you were not able to be tired you know you had there was um, you know it's like a uh, wall street you know it's like that you know it's for wimps you know it's like it's it is like that you know there, that's at least how i was growing up I mean, there i was growing up you um the more you can do the harder you can push yourself well that was your worth and then having to take the beliefs that were passed down okay is that my belief or is that someone else's belief and where do i fit in i can still achieve a lot and have self-compassion, you know? I can still be efficient and have taken a rest, you know? I can really be effective and have been really slow at doing it. And um, Mm -hmm. it's it's a different mindset. Um, There's this great, great quote that said, um, it's um, slow is smooth and smooth is fast. And I use it for my son quite a lot because if we have that compassion with ourselves to kind of just go slow, you know, see what feels good, like how does it hit you to because the feeling inside of us dictates not, um, we can then use our intuition to say, okay, well, okay, if you're doing this half marathon and your knee is really hurting you, is it something that you can kind of, you know, as you warm up as you're running, you can make it through? Or is this something where you really know because you're in tune with yourself that you probably should stop or you're going to blow out Mm your knee? When you have this self-compassion, you're able to then look at how how you're feeling without putting yourself down and saying, um, no, I I should, should do more. I should push myself more. I should push myself then you start to understand where those places are that you need to push yourself, like to get out of your way from fear, you know, because you're the only one that's in it versus you need to give yourself a breaking rest. And I think some of that comes with experience too.
0: Yeah. Yeah. I think, I think this is a, this is a blanket statement, but I think we can all relate to getting that, getting to that, breaking point be it physically mentally emotionally spiritually where we don't really have a choice otherwise than to kind of take a step back and unravel um as in many of us refer to that as a rock bottom or you know whatever and it's i think the lesson i was also listening to a podcast about this recently where i was like the lesson is to like not reach the rock bottom right we've all been there and the lesson is to retract or to acknowledge, not necessarily attract, but acknowledge or bring awareness to our day-to-day um, actions, behaviors, thoughts, beliefs, whatever, what, to not get to that point of like- yeah, To listen to these you know. little signs, right? These little whispers, right? That, that come
1: along. And, and I'm, was definitely in my past, you know, I ignored every whisper. You know, every little whisper that came along, you know, and then that whisper gets a little bit louder and a little bit louder and a little bit louder. And so you do hit rock bottom. And, but then if you hit rock bottom, you know, sometimes that crashing open allows you to, you know, open up your heart more and have more empathy, more sympathy. And now I just always hope that I don't have to crash to the bottom and I can really trust myself to listen to the whispers along the way to say, uh-uh, Lisa, detour, detours are for a reason. Means turn around, don't go through <laughs> construction sites. Don't go, turn around and go back the other way. And it's okay to take a longer route somewhere. Um, maybe you'll wind up going on a different path. That's where you're supposed to be. But take the detour. Listen to that little sign, little signal that says, "Don't go down that way." Don't plow through it because it's not. You know, you're going to crash your car. You're going to crash. You know, you know, metaphorically speaking. Um, and take the detour and, you know, backtrack, go, go maybe the longer way. And you'll reach a much more beautiful goal than you ever had imagined.
0: Mm-hmm. Yes. Mm-hmm. Continuing the metaphor, uh, you know? take the scenic route and let's activate the scent, those senses that you have been referring to all or this entire episode right our sight, our sense our taste our smell um which which help us come into one body and help us to begin to practice mindfulness um subtly and Mm -hmm. and one thing that one analogy i've been working with lately or metaphor is viewing our like the central energy line of our body which anyone who knows about traditional chinese medicine or chakra work there's there's obviously several different modalities that um, work with energy and energy lines, um, but just viewing literally our backbone, like our spine, as a, mm-hmm. a surge protector, and and like if it's all, if the surge protector is filled with every single outlet, every every single cord is filled. Okay, we're we're tapped. Energy-wise, right? Like that thing might blow, um, and if we begin to acknowledge, like, what would it look like to take out one cord that might not be serving us? So oh, that fan. Well, it's now autumn, and we don't need the fan anymore, so we can take that out, and mm-hmm. and viewing that our our central body self as that, um, that outlet, and and or those outlets and the energy epicenter. Um, and yeah, realizing that we too get, we get tapped out, right. Be it with people, be it with environments, be it with family systems, right? Those are all the courts plugging in. Exactly. Um, and it's, I, I feel that in order to really come into connection with spirit and with body, we've got to take inventory of those outlets and we've got to re- begin to cleanse our energy. And this mm-hmm. type of language for my listeners and our listeners probably is going to quite resonate, but for some, it might feel a bit out there. Um, but yeah, it's really start to offload some of that energy. Go that- so
1: back to that simplicity, as you say, you know, to really just go back to that, that simplicity of, this is why I, you know, I was saying before, you know, earlier before we were, before this recording, I was talking to you. It's like I went through today and I, you know, like cleaned everything up, you know? And again, that could be um one to have everything kind of neat and organized can be self-sabotaging for me. But this was a situation where I needed to just like cleanse everything, restart, <laughs> you know, let's get everything in its place, everything organized. It feels so good. You feel freer, you feel more energetic. So if you can, like you said, like pull some of these cords out, such a lighter load, you know, that you're carrying and you have so much more energy, um, Mm -hmm. then it feels like you have more hours in the day. Mm -hmm. It's that going slow, that taking time, which I never was a good one. I mean, I was never, never someone who would ever thought I would ever be able to do it. I mean, it's hilarious that um, if I think like meditation coach, I mean, okay. I was always into wellness and, and um, kind of a holistic way and spirituality, but at the same time, I was also like, let's go. Like who has time for meditation? Like, are you no way, but it's that taking that time that allows that creativity, which I never thought I was creative. I, how in the world was I? I and mean, I was never thought I could ever be creative, but I was creative. I just never allowed for myself. Being creative was not painting for me. I will never be an amazing artist. I mean, I can do my own abstract art um, that I think is okay, but nobody else ever would. But um, it's just letting your own creative outlets come through because you're, you're going, you're allowing yourself not to be so overloaded with all those cords in. Yeah. You know, and letting the energy flow through your spine and flow through you, and just like let the energy flow through you you know, you notice sometimes when you, you see some people and they're like, you know, hunched up or whatever, it's like they are, they're holding so much, you know, their whole, their body is holding so much. I'm always like, gosh, if I could just release some of that for them yeah. for even just a moment, they would feel, ah, it's just so much lighter. And when you feel lighter, it's not a weight thing or anything. It's just mm-hmm. that feeling of lightness of being. It's just mm-hmm. so beautiful.
0: Yes, lightness of being and that's what we were talking about before our call Lisa was creativity and my belief with creativity is that we need space for it to flow right so. Mm take it a step back, well, then we do need that energetic cleansing to happen in order for that space, that creativity to flow through us, right? And the beauty is that we don't even really know what sometimes we do hold an inner, inner knowing and inner whisper as to what that is, right? Maybe it's taking a pottery class, or maybe it's really diving into acrylics or painting. Um, But yeah, sometimes it's not even within our energetic bandwidth when we're so tapped out right when all mm-hmm. of the plugs are full another thing i wanted to, t- to mention too is so say when we start like metaphorically speaking we're pulling out the plugs that aren't serving us in this season of life etc well then we also open up the opportunity for autonomy to come into play and to choose oh okay that plug that's attached to um that pottery class that I want to take I'm gonna plug that in because I've signed it up I've signed up for one I found one I you know paid my deposit and And I I love it you know yeah and I really enjoy it yeah yeah yeah, well, oh, Lisa. Okay, I know we can keep talking, yeah. talking, and talking. I do. Before we come to a close, and this will probably open up a whole another can of worms, and like, <laughs> we will have another episode. But I want you to tell us just a few ways um, as a mother that meditation and mindfulness has influenced that role, that huge role in your life. So I would say I, I can
1: see it in some of my children who. Innately, I think that they've just, um, you know, kind of I role modeled it, and so they um, are attracted to it. Um, and some of mine just have to deal with when I write a meditation; they have to like, can I practice on you? <laughs> so they've had to. But I am a much better mother, much calmer mother, a much more insightful mother when have had time to meditate and again it doesn't make a difference if it's five minutes two minutes 30 minutes it, that doesn't matter but my children see it so if I have my my cushion you know and that that's my cushion that, like I have extra cushions for other people but I have kind of my own I'm one of those kind of people who think my energy sits in it and you know that's that's yeah you too. okay <laughs> so you're the same about that um but they know if I'm sitting on it it's like Okay, well if mom's sitting on it, you know, today. Um we could probably get her to go and do this with us later. You know, we could probably get her to, you know, to do that. So they've kind of learned how to like manipulate, I guess, in that way as well. But um it's I think it's also teaches them a little bit of like, okay, um, uh, if mom's on it, we probably can give her, you know, we need to give her like a little boundary, like not a boundary. They don't really even know that it's a boundary, but if mom's on, we'll just kind of leave her alone unless it's something important. Now, something important to them could be, can you please open the peanut butter jar? But you know, okay, while you're in it, you kind of open a peanut butter jar and give it back and go back to your flow. But um, it's taught them that mom has something that's hers when she's doing it, you know, unless it's, you know, this peanut butter, there's always something that's very important, right? But for the most part, that mom is allowed to have something that's important to her that she's doing that we can see that she's doing. Maybe they don't see me every day, depending on where I am or what I'm doing, but they know that I have something that is really important to me that they allow me that space where then they know that I allow them that space to be who they are, to choose what it is that they're really important. And I allow them that same respect back. So I think meditation, it's definitely made me calmer. Um, it's made me feel that if there's lots of balls up in the air, you know, as your kids age and um, every stage of your children's life, there's always, you know, um, the space, you know, two shall pass the good and the bad, but there's always these balls that go up in the air. I feel like I have much more time in my life with, I know it's like, you know, give me 10 minutes and I can give you, you know, the rest of the day. Um, And I, I, I laugh more, you know, because I allow myself to be more creative. I allow myself to be sillier. I allow myself to tap into kind of who I am and the type of person that I want to be in the day because I touch into my meditation practice. So sometimes it will even be just, I want to be present today. Or, um, I think about when I'm going to kind of meditate and some, some meditation will do is like just envisioning of who I want to be, who, who do I want to be in this situation? You know, not, you know, what celebrity, but like, what do I want to embody myself? But this allows me to then really give them the freedom to be their own people themselves. You know, each one of my children are, they're all very similar and yet very different. And taking a pause for me in my meditation practice and, and learning through this time of being meditating, it just, allows me to give that permission for myself to be myself, which allows them to have their permission for them to be themselves. So it's just seeing things um, I'm able to I have much more acceptance, much more tolerance, um much more calm. Um a yoga nidra um, will give me and it's like I you know when you're you're a mom, you know you're you're tired, you're a parent. I mean, I don't think you you know you're tired. I mean, you get to the point you're so tired, you don't know you're tired. Um, and when other people who, you know, they say they're tired and you're like, you have no idea, <laughs> you know, or you forget, but if you, if you, I take some time for meditation, I it does, um, or doing a yoga nidra does like reboot my system. It, it gives me this energy. So I'll tell you a quick story before we hang up. So how That's I sweet. actually, one of the other ways I forgot how I had gotten into meditation, um, was when I was doing this 21 day meditation, I was away with a friend and I was, just exhausted. I mean, my stress levels had been up like beyond high. And I was just mentally, physically just beyond exhausted. And I remember sitting, she wanted to go out for dinner in the evening. And I was thinking, I don't know how I'm going to do this. Like I cannot, I'm my whole, I'm, my body is done. My body, my mind, everything is done. And I remember sitting there doing a med, you know, listening, practicing the meditation. And afterwards I had I had energy. It was like I had this burst to make it through. It was as if I'd had, you know, not the jittery of caffeine, but it was like as if I had a caffeine rush, you know, like again, it gives you what you need. Um, and I needed to calm my mind down. I needed to stop thinking, stop overthinking. I needed to give myself permission to rest. Um, and then I was fine for when I had to, you know, go to this event with her. So, um, and I remember noticing that and remember knowing, uh, that's a good tool. You know, when you're in overwhelm as, as, a parent, as a mom, there are many times you're in overwhelm and everything is all going on. It also allows me to say, okay, look, we all need to take a pause, you know, or I need to take a pause. And I do believe that most of the time when I've had that pause, then if I'm calm, the rest of the kids are calm. Family runs smoother.
0: Yes, that's yes. A
1: long-winded of how it helps, but yeah, yes.
0: Thank you so much for sharing all ex- all of that experience. It's personal, you know, that you've endured personally is so it's truly invaluable. And I'm hoping that that many people who are listening, who do have a meditation practice, who might also be a parent, um, can relate. And there's two things that I that I hear um, from your reflection, and one of them is. Um, the well for one as you mentioned modeling modeling behavior and the the giving permission to right handing the permission slip to your child to um do partake in self-investment and to partake in self-autonomy, right? So you do, like you do you boo, whatever that is for you, it might not be meditation, but for you, it might be coloring or drawing, or it might be exploring outside, or it might be playing one video game or something like Mm -hmm. that. Um, but, but setting that okayness, right? Like making that known that it's okay to do this in this household. And in fact, it's encouraged. Exactly. Um, and, and two, um, yeah, the, the knowing, well, even so what surfaced for me is even having this conversation because before we hopped on the phone, this, this, um, call to record, I had shared with Lisa, man, I, I just named it like, I'm tired. My toddler has been waking up during the night. It hasn't been happening in a while. Um, like full on action packed weekend but ha- even having this conversation has been revitalizing re- really revitalizing oh, and energizing for me and um and so what comes through to me there is like find the the things the people the places the activities um the self care routines that that revitalize you right that fill up that energy cup or that outlet that surge protector rather than or perhaps metaphorically speaking, taking out those plugs, making space rather than filling it up so high or overflowing, um, or depleting it so low that we're, we're off kilter or we're out of balance.
1: Exactly. Cause then we're really of no service for anyone else. So I always know it's like, if I have to take care of myself so I could be of service for them for, for my, you know, for my children, because, um, as a parent, you are there to help create the next generation, right? And we all make mistakes. We all do things wrong. I could have been many nights gonna oh, shoot, that wasn't so nice. And you go with all your guilt and um, whatnot that you have, but um, you each breath, it's, it's a new beginning, you know? And to, to model that, it, it helps. It really, really makes a huge difference. Mm -hmm. Um, to allow them to um, to make their own mistakes
0: Mm
1: -hmm. and um, start again and find their avenues the children of where their creative outlets will be and what will like you said revitalize them and learn to again to invest in themselves it's really important you know this Mm -hmm. self-investment you know to practice to learn to Um, know that if you do fall, you just pick yourself back up. You're going to start all over again, have the confidence in yourself. Mm -hmm. And I think it's a parent, if we can model that the best that we can. I mean, a lot of times as a parent, we will fall down and something will not work out for us, but it's how we pick ourselves back up. Um, it's not the falling down, you know, um, I remember when, when I got divorced and, um, a counselor had told me this is one of the best advice. She said, Lisa, it's okay for your kids to see you cry that's okay. Um, and I realized that it's how I pick myself back up. It's that I still will have my commitment to myself, to my self healing mechanisms, to, um, my mat, you know, to my cushion. Um, and you're allowed that too, that space to, you know, kind of feel something and what can you use and do that's in a beneficial way to kind of self heal yourself. Um, and it, it's helped my children, I think, quite a lot.
0: Yeah, I'm quite like blatantly, if we flip the script and say, you know, think back to what the things, what are the things that we weren't allowed to do as children, right? We weren't allowed to cry perhaps in our in our family home, or we weren't allowed to sit down and take a breather, or we weren't allowed to express our emotions. Um, we notice those impacts On our adult lives, right? More than Mm -hmm. likely, and so to flip that script and say, "But oh, but I was allowed to, right? Or this was normalized, and thus it feels feels very natural in my adult life, right? I I don't even think twice about it. I don't think twice about allowing my partner to have time of self study or self investment because my mom was exemplified that, right? Like exactly, exactly. Um, and then,
1: you know, and I noticed there's, this better relationships. There's more acceptance. There's more uh, learning from, from each other instead of why in the world are you doing that? It's, Oh, okay. We'll teach me. And, um, I think all of this comes from, from really from that place of self-compassion, self-respect, self-forgiveness, tapping into your heart, leading with your heart. Um, and, um, Again, there, there's a place for where your mind really needs to be. You know, everything's in context. But then, if I always try to tell my, my children, which I really think that when you give yourself this time of this self investment, you're you're taking care of your heart. You know, and when you take care of your heart, um, it, it shines onto other people. You know, it really does, and it's a way to, um, you know, if there's conflicts or you know. Um, that people have, you know, as, as the kids get older. And I noticed this when, when they're in school of how they resolve their own conflicts in school, you know, it's different when they're fighting with their sister of, you know, why are you just wearing my shirt and she wear my shirt, but how they, co- how they resolve their conflicts outside the home too, um, is saying, well, like my daughter was saying, I don't know. I just think she's having a bad day. She's probably just, you know, I don't know, maybe something else is going on, you know, in her life. I don't quite know, but I'll give her some space. It's not only about me. And it's not being like, well, it's not about me. It's all about her, but it's more of from the heart, you know, um, my friend and I aren't getting along today for something, but maybe she just needs some space and I'll check in and work in with her later. Um, and those are just all different things that we we learn. that all came from me from having a meditation practice of allowing myself to breathe there. It's like, I allow other people to have what I'm allowing myself to have. And then your children see that as well.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, and I don't want to say that again, I'm allowing other people to have what I'm allowing myself to have. And mm-hmm. there's so much nectar in that it's so simple and beautiful and abundant. Mm-hmm. And I thank you, Lisa. I thank you for coming oh, thank on you for with having us me. today, and I thank you for sharing all of your tidbits and wisdom. And I want our listeners to know where and how they can connect with you and get a little little slice of what Lisa has has to offer.
1: So, um, at the moment, my website I'm reworking that, so um, so that will be a little bit, but that would be um, so. I'll kind of announce that one later, but you can always find me on Instagram at. Lisa Bianco underscore. um Or, and I'm also on Facebook for Lisa and Bianco. So you can always find me there. Wonderful. And I have to get this website organized. So, this I have to, I know I want to redo it. So,
0: yeah, no, all, in, happens it, in. It, all in its own time. It's another, another I know. <laughs> uh,
1: yeah. yeah. It's sometimes it's hard because I feel like that's about me. So yeah. I'm
0: not, and that doesn't make any sense. So, yeah, right. it's not I'm-
1: serving anyone. I haven't worked on it.
0: I'm all about the grassroots movement too. Like, Hey, you got an email and let's just set it up word of mouth or whatever. So I'd love to make that, bring that back, um, um, into fruition as everything is so, so web, web web-based. Um, but wonderful. I I know. Listening. I will pop Lisa's, um, information in the show notes and, Anything or everything we talked about today will be in the show notes, so be sure to refer there. And Lisa, again, deepest gratitude to you. Thank you so much. And
1: thank you, Courtney. um,
0: We'll talk again soon.
1: Thank you. Hey,
0: I hope so.